Your glory, God, is what I 
This morning, if you're joining us online or in the parking lot, it is great to be with you guys as well. Uh, why don't you turn, wave at somebody, give them a big smile, and you guys can have a seat. Looks like a great deal of a time, and I bet that I could do that too. So I asked him, he said I could come on up here and tell you the new what's up. So for those of you who haven't seen or heard or think that you don't need to be participating, let me tell you how it works. Anytime today when you see my face pop up on the screen like this, what's up? You gotta tell them, God takes care of me. Will you say that with me? God takes care of me. Okay, now, let's try all the boys in the house here, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Kind of wimpy there. Okay, my girls, let's give you a try. Ready? One, two, three. Now, everyone all together, ready? One, two, three. God takes care of me. And remember, anytime today when you see my face pop on the screen here just like this. What's up? Or anytime when someone asks you, what's up? You tell them that God takes care of me. I'm Little Miss Bold here, and with Jesus in my heart, I can be very bold. Glory to God. She is definitely a chip off Grandpa's block, huh? For sure. Hallelujah. Well, I'm Pastor John, one of the associates here at Joy, and I just have a few announcements for you before we get into the Word today. First of all, uh, we are, you know, concerning giving, we're not going to collect the offering, but there are ways you can give. It's up on the screen here. Uh, you can give online. As you leave today, if you brought your offering, you can just give in the baskets as you go. Uh, you can always drop it off here during the week. You can mail it in, that sort of thing. We thank you for your faithfulness. I am going to pray over your giving. Uh, I just believe in doing that, and uh, if I don't do that, that's fine. You can always do that. I pray that you do 
do that. And just as you give that to the Lord, you just say, Lord, it's yours. Uh, you had it in my hands, but Father, it was always yours, and I'm just honoring you with it today. So let's do that. Father, we just thank you that you put seed into the hands of the sower. And Lord, I thank you that in a world that's trying to maybe shrink back or pull back, Father, I thank you that you are the light and you are the love. And Father, we're going to be givers. We're going to be doers. And Father, your kingdom is coming on this earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we declare as we give today, Father, we do so because we are a chip off your block. Father, we are just like you here in this earth. And we're going to do more things, and we're going to see more goodness in our lives life and in our communities, in our cities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Connections team, if you would, uh, if you have young children with you today, we just want you to know that there are care rooms and mom's rooms available that have audio and video. So if you need to uh, jump in there for a second and, and take care of the young'uns, that's fine. Uh, please do that. Our connections team can help you uh, in doing that. By the way, I forgot to do something. I want this church, there are hundreds of people literally watching us right now online. Would you give them a joy shout out saying thanks for being with us? Hallelujah. We are glad that you are with us, joining us online, but we are also glad that you are here. Uh, we want to let you know one thing. Our, our fall small groups are going to uh, be taking root here soon, and what that means is we need leaders who step up and say, I'll lead a Bible study. I can lead a small group. Uh, it's really not complicated. There's not a ton of things you got to go through. Paula Fleming is our coordinator. She can help you do that, but here's the key. It's time to get your developmental plans in, so if you've led a small group in the past, I would ask you to consider praying about doing one in the fall. We need more and more and more circles in this time. We need tighter circles. We need better circles. And that only happens with leaders who are willing to say, you know what, I'll do that. I'll lead the way. So if you can lead a small group or if you think you can lead a small group, we can help you get the right curriculum or just jump in like I did this this last quarter and just Jump into a book of the Bible and lead a group of people through the book of the Bible that you choose. Uh, it's, it's easy to do. So get those small group developmental plans in. We do appreciate it. Would you give Mr. Tim Lambert a hand as he comes to share God's word today? Hallelujah. We're excited. Notes. I don't leave home without them. That's a fact. Man, it's good to see everybody today. It's what a blessing that you're here with us and uh, we've been in this great series called Not Normal, uh, but before we do, I want you to look at somebody around you. I want you to do this. Do this right here. One more time. Yeah, you can do it at me if you don't want to do anybody else. I don't know what you, it's no big deal. You're not reaching with hugging them or shaking. You just, I do it right, Sandra? All right. <laughs> the reason I did that, because according to Sandra, she, she interprets over here, uh, she, she said that means happy Sunday. And I was thinking, gee whiz, you know, we had, what did we have? We had happy get back together day when we started off. Then we had a happy uh, uh, Father's Day, uh, happy 4th of July. Why not have a happy Sunday? That's something that, that we can have and, and do as well. And that's what we want to do today. We're going to get into some things. And again, thank you for being here. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together in your name. And Lord, we're believing today that as hearts are open, that word will go in. Lord, the things that we're going to share, the, the illustration stories, whatever it might be. We're believing you to speak to the hearts of the people today, and they will leave here with something that they carry home with them. It's not only for themselves, but for the world. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, Pastor Brian has been using this kind of for the foundational verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. And so I decided to use it out of the voice uh, translation today. And look at what it says. And here's why. You are still living in the flesh, not in the spirit. How do I know? Are you fighting with one another? Are you comparing yourselves to others and becoming consumed with jealousy? Then it sounds like you're living in the flesh. No different from the rest of who live by the standards of this rebellious and broken world. Folks, we should be different, shouldn't we? 
We should be different. Just kind of whisper that out. We should be different. There you go. We should be different. It should be a, a, a very different life that we're living. Why? Because Christianity is not normal. Pastor Brian brought that out the first week. He said, when I praise, God makes a way. Second week, he said, it's not normal to be born twice. I have the life of God in me. That was what we learned that week. Uh, the third week was it's not normal to die twice. I'm a new creation in Christ. And then uh, the last week was it's not normal to forget who you are because I can think like God thinks. And we're going to get to Mine not normal in a little bit here. We'll get to it. You see, he said, too, that normal can't be defined by our standards, but it has to be defined by, by God's standards in his terms. And then he also said the principles of the Bible are not normal uh, to, uh, it's, it's not normal to a rebellious and broken world. And they're not. They don't understand the way we do things because they're, they're not looking at what we're looking at. They're not living with that, that heart of love that's only inside of us and that heart of direction that we get through the Holy Spirit of God. He works with us. So as we take off today... God's word, God's word reveals promise and provision. And so we're going to say, God takes care of me, right? What's up? Good deal. He does. Now listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 from J.B. Phillips' translation says this. He said, now these things which happen to our ancestors are illustrations of the way in which God works. And they were written down to be a warning to us who are the heirs of the ages which have gone before us. In other words, we look sometimes and we think, well, why, you know, why do we see all this old history? Why do we look at things like that? You know, uh, we, we've got to go into it. We've got to look. The Old Testament is just as important to us as the New Testament is because we're seeing things in there that God wants us to see too. And I, I understand we've got the New Covenant, the better covenant, but at the same time, the Old Testament is very important too. And that's why I love the stories in there. Now, many people regard 1 Corinthians as probably the most personable of the New Testament books. They do that because in that, the Apostle Paul is teaching us some of the ways and things that, that God wants us to live in these New Testament days of which we're still a part. And he started off with his churches. When he would go out and establish a church, he didn't just meet them up right away. He'd start off with simple truths and, and basic things that everybody should live by. Well, what's happening to the Corinthian people, a lot of them are straying from that. But you've got to understand, they were living in a time, too, where tons of idols were there. There were a lot of distractions pulling them away, almost like probably about as many as we have today. <laughs> Maybe more. We may have more than they had in that time. But he was trying to get them to understand, you've got to live by the faith that God gives you in the world that you're living in and trust God to bring things about in your life that he wants you to have and to do, to lay hold of, and to bless not just your life, but the lives of others. That's one thing he really wanted them to understand. It's not just about you. It's about everybody. And that's the way that God that wants us to work. Uh, R.A. Turi. He was a pastor and evangelist. He said this. He said, if we're to have the real faith, we must study the word and discover what is promised. Then we must simply believe the promises of God. Trying to believe something that you want to believe is not faith. Believing what God says in his word is faith. People like to make up their own versions of God's word sometimes in these days we're living in. You know, they want to justify what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I came up through the 60s, you know, if it feels good, do it. That kind of a thing. Well, they tried to carry that over through the years and bring that into the Word of God. Well, if it feels good, do it. I and mean, we, can't, we can't live that way. You see, if we understand that God has things that he wants us to learn, not just at the age we're at, but, you know, some people don't get into the Word of God till they're older, but he wants us to learn it when we're little. That's why we have the programs and things here at the church, the ministries that go forth to the children. That's why some are sitting in here today, and, and I'm going to do my best to make sure they go home with something, too. It's not just for us, not just the what's up, but I'm going to show them something a little bit later on, too. We'll talk about it. I remember I was... 
was doing class one day, and this little girl in there, and she's, you know, kind of a little chubby little girl, just round face, her face just round as a pie. I mean, just, just a little round face, little cute as could be. And she's sitting there, and we're asking the kids in the class, so what, what's your habits? What do you, you know, I mean, your hobbies, what do you like to do? And uh, they're going around the room, one kid, you know, he's in there, I like to fish with my dad. Another kid, I like soccer, I like football, and getting around. So we get to her, and, uh, and she says, I like to sleep. And so I look at that little round face, and I said, I said, say what? I, I, I like to sleep, Pastor Tim, I like to sleep. I said, well, do you sleep a lot? I sleep a lot. <laughs> And now this is a healthy child. There wasn't any medical issue or anything like that. And uh, so I look over at her and I say, well, Dawn, you better marry somebody rich. I says, because uh, according to Proverbs, if, if you sleep too much, you're going to go to poverty. <laughs> I, said, I said, you don't want to be in the soup line. Uh, I said, you, you, you got to not do so much sleeping on it. But, uh, but you know, she's as cute as could be. Uh, I, there's so many things I got with kids in my mind and heart through the years. But, uh, you know, you can have a learned habit or you can have an earned habit. Bottom line, you can have something you learn just by being around people, or you can have a habit that you develop because you decide you're going to practice that and live that in your life and place it in your life. That's an earned habit. It's not just a learned habit. It's an earned habit. When people say, well, I learned it. No, you didn't earn doing that. When you start living for God, you earn living for God because you begin to take that word and begin to apply it in your life and use it for something that's more than your, your own satisfaction and personal comfort. You're doing it because God said do it, and you know it's right for you to do it. You see, that's the difference in it. God's word, though, is, is, is wonderful because he, he'll sometimes he'll lower the bar for us, just like the Apostle Paul did. He started off giving them more or less the milk of the word and, and wanted them to go into the meat of the word. But God will lower the bar for us to help us. He don't lower his standards, but he'll lower the bar. He'll try to meet us where we're at and, and help us where we're at. And uh, I, I was thinking about this. There was a story about a missionary. And this missionary uh, went to some villages, several villages he had to go to. And in one of these villages he went to, he noticed the women were doing all the labor, you know, the manual work and everything. And they had stuff on their back and their shoulders and they're carrying so burdened down at times. And so he told them, he said, you know, he, he said, ladies, I'm going to make sure I get you some relief. I'm going to make sure you get you some relief. Well, he didn't say what he was doing. And he had to go on to other villages. So what he did was he ordered wheelbarrows. He had all these wheelbarrows he ordered for them. And he went in these other villages, and, and, and some, uh, some uh, months later, he came back to that same village. And there was every single wheelbarrow just sitting, just like it had been put out to crate. Never been used. He went over to them, and he says, these aren't being used. And they said, no. They said, sir, we, we, we thought it would be too hard to try to carry our load and carry that too. They didn't know how to use a wheelbarrow. And you know there's people today that don't know how to use the word of God. But we have to, in the hour we're living in, we can't play around anymore, folks. We've got to get serious about these things. Stuff that we used to kind of slide by on. I believe that we're in an hour of rapid pace right now, and the things of God are being fulfilled. And we've got to move into rapid pace with God and hook up with him and go the way that he wants us to go. The days of hoop do 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 that, that, those days are over. We're running warp factor 10. God, you show me I'm on it. Let's do it. And that's the way we need to be living now. You know why? Because God sees us where we are. It doesn't matter, spirit, soul, and body. He knows right now where your spiritual condition is. He knows what your physical condition is. He knows what your mental condition is right now. He knows everything about us. And that's the way he wants to work with us in our spirit, soul, and body. And understand this too, that he works in our natural, our social, and, 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 and also our industrial environments. Things that we do, things that we're about, the people we know, what we do, the jobs we have. He knows our accomplishments, our goals, and he for sure knows our dreams. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, I am, <clears throat> I am busily engaged in the study of the Bible. 
I believe it is God's word because it finds me where I am. Where does it find you today? And you're sitting in the seat here enjoying Christian Center. If you're viewing online somewhere and wherever, where does it find you today? Are you moving forward with God or are you backing away, moving back with the things that God wants you to do? Because ready or not, here comes change. This year has been one of the greatest years of change in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like some of the things we're seeing now. And, and, and the anxiety and pessimism and all the different things that are out there, people are dealing with and struggling with right now. We better get the book. We better get it and, and, and begin to say, God, I'm standing on this above what I hear from any report from anybody. And I don't care what report, government report, health reports or whatever. I'm going to you, Lord, to be my provider in this life that I'm living in. You know, in 2010, the media entertainment Actually, media education, it, it turned into be kind of entertainment, but it was a media education uh, foundation. They filmed a documentary, and it was called The Mean World Syndrome. The, you can look it up, The Mean World Syndrome. It was back in 2010, they did this documentary. And this doctor, uh, Gar, uh, Ger, Gerbner, I think, so, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, G-E-R-B-N-E-R, -E -E Gerbner. Uh, this Dr. Gerbner, he, he had been studying from, even all the way back from the 30s to see what the effects of watching violent things on, on the media, you know, like TV and movies and things like that, all these violent things. Well, they did these studies on it, and they, and they come to find out that that's where a lot of people, their anxiety, their pessimism, their, their, their anger, their violent natures were coming from feeding on that and from constantly feeding on it. I heard, I heard a minister one time, he's a pastor, and he got up. He said, be careful you don't watch too many of those violent movies out there. He said, because it'll begin to try to work in you and get inside of you, and, you know. And I'm like everybody else. I've watched movies that had violence and things like, good night. I grew up, you talk about masks and things like that. I grew up when I was a kid. You had Roy Rogers and all those guys, and the bad guys wore masks. The good guys didn't. Good guys wore the white hats. The bad guys wore the black hats. Mask wearing was nothing new to me, you know. We ran around with them. It was fun being the robber. You got to, you got to hit somebody if you was the robber. You got to clobber them with your old plastic gun, you know, little thing. But, uh, but you see, things are so different now. They make it so real, these games and things that people have. And you say, well, Pastor Tim, don't try to take away all my fun. I would not take away your fun. That's between you and God. I'm just saying that it has an effect on us. If we feed on wrong things all the time and don't feed on the Word of God, guess there's going to be an off balance there. You know, eat too many potato chips and get on the scale. It's off balance. Get back off there. Somebody asked me one time my vice, and I've told somebody before, my vice is ice cream. <laughs> we like the amen. I knew I'd get an amen somewhere. All right, so what are, we, what are we doing? Are we supposed to be fearful in the hour we're living in? No, we're not. We're supposed to expect God to be our provider. Bill Slinninger's sitting right over there. He's sitting right over there. He has some of the best notes I've ever seen. In fact, he might have sent them to you if, if, you, if you want to get his email and everything. But he was talking about what we're supposed to do in, in, in these last days and beyond. He talked about things, about uh, using your angelic messengers that God has given us, about pleading the blood of Jesus, uh, about putting a hedge of protection around you and your family, and, and, and things like He's teaching things that we can go to the Word of God and we can begin to find out because a lot of people don't know anything about that. They don't know about you know, quoting Psalm 91 over your family. They don't know these things. But that's why I'm saying it's not just for us. It's for the world because we carry it out and we're distributors of it, you see. We carry it out and give it to the world. Uh, look, look at Second Peter 1, verses 3 through 4. It says, we have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It was all given to us by God's own power. When we learned that he had invited us to share in his wonderful goodness, God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature will become part of us. Then, after his nature becomes part of us, read it the way it is, then we could escape 
our evil desires, and the corrupt influences of this world. See, the only way that we're going to have the best life we can have is by, by connecting with Jesus. We've got to let him in. And, and once he comes in, we'll find out his way is not only the right way, his way is the best way. Tony Evans, he said this. He said, he said anything outside of God is a resource. God is the source. It doesn't matter if it's your job. It doesn't matter if the, if the things that your, your, your hobbies, or maybe you go to the lake, all these different, all those things that bring you blessings in life, they're just resources. God is the source. And that's why we have to go to him and, and be with him. Now, we're going to step in here. We want you to see yourself in God's purposes. We've got this in one of the headlines here. See yourself in God's purposes and plans as it relates to his promises and provision. And we hear, What's up? God takes care of me. Uh, author T uh, Tony Campola, he told on his wife, he said that uh, when his wife was full-time with the kids, taking care of the kids, that sometimes people would ask, you know, what, what she did. And, uh, and uh, she took care of this kid to raise the family. And so they, they would come up to her, and, what is it you do, my dear? And listen to what she said. This is great. She says, I am socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. And then she looked at them, and what do you do? <laughs> now, what are we saying here? She, you know, she, she, didn't see her, she didn't see herself as just a recipient of God's promises and provision. I mean, she stepped the game up on this thing. She wanted to be a proclaimer of it. You know, where she's saying, this is big business I'm doing for God. She's staying home taking care of the kids. But I'm telling you right now, in that home, the word was being taught. It wasn't all sitting around watching cartoons and playing cowboys and Indians. <laughs> a lot of what I did when I, when I was a kid. But, but, but she was putting word into them. She was putting faith into them. The greatest teachers of the word of God into a child's life should be in the home, not at church. We're a supplement. We're here to assist the home. But the bottom line is, it should be taught in the home and practice in the home. And that means don't go around yelling at mama every day and screaming and calling names and acting ugly and throwing things and kicking things and acting up, being a fool in the house. If you be, if you be a fool in the house, you'll raise a child as a fool outside the house. I'll tell you that right now. What you do matters. What you do matters. I knew a guy too. I knew a guy too that... Uh, He's talking about his neighbors, how his neighbors are always screaming and carrying on like that. He said, man, I don't even know what goes on that. I think they're crazy over there. <laughs> hate to say it, but that was in my neighborhood. But anyhow, moving right along, <clears throat> I want to share something with you. Let's, let's take a look here. James 1, 5 through 8, and the message says, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. See, this is not a message of condemnation this morning. might be a little conviction with it, but, but it's not condemnation because God wants us to flow in his word. Do this one more time. Just checking. I'm glad you're still happy. All right, let's move along. All right, it says, now, you, you get, you'll get his help. He won't let us down. And it says, in fact, I'm going to read it off that thing. Uh, you'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. You see, he wants us to go to him and not worry that prayer once we go to him with it. That's where the trust factor comes in. And, and that's what we do sometimes. You just talk to God about it. You don't think God can handle a situation? Yeah, he can handle a situation. But it's our, 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 our way sometimes to try to go back and, and worry that prayer. I, I'll tell you a story. Smith Wigglesworth, in the, the, the 19, well, the early uh, 1900s there of the, of the 20th century, 
uh, the early 1900s, he was an evangelist, very bold evangelist. He had people raised from the dead in his ministry. It's tremendous miracles and things like that. Well, he was on a ship going to, to preach somewhere. And while he was on this ship, he asked the people, he said, you going to come hear me preach Sunday? And they said, no. <laughs> Emphatically, no, we're not coming to hear you preach. Well, this ship had a, a segment that was going to be entertainment. So they, uh, so they said to him, said, they came back to him a little bit later and said, well, we're, we're having an entertainment piece. Would, would you like to be a part of it? And he says, will you come back and see me in a quarter of an hour, and I'll tell you, which is 15 minutes. So 15 minutes later, they come back, and they say, well, do you want to participate in our entertainment program? And he said, well, what are you going to do? And they said, well, they'll be singing. We'll be having recitations, you know, instruments, music, things like that, different things. And, and he, said, uh, he said, well, you know, I, I, I had prayed about it, and, you know, I had a clear witness on it. And he said, I, I'm willing to do that. And they said, well, what can you do? He said, well, I can sing. And they said, you can sing? Oh, great. That'll be good. What do you want to be in the program? He said, uh, he said well, what's the last thing in the program? And they said, we're going to have a big dance at the last thing in the program. So, uh, so he says, okay, put me right for that dance. So he goes in there, and when it's his time, just before the dance, to get up and, and sing, he goes up and takes his music over to the lady playing the piano, and she looks at the music. He said, these are my redemption songs. And so she looked at it, and she said, I can't play this music. He said, that's okay. He said, I got it on the inside. I got the music and the words inside here. And he began to sing. And as he began to sing, all of a sudden, everybody started weeping and crying. <laughs> and the whole thing changed during the big prayer meeting. And uh, the dance never happened, by the way. And then, uh, and I'm not against the dance. I'm not saying that. But I'm just telling you what he did on that ship. And then afterwards, six young men came to his cabin door and knocked on his door and gave their hearts to Jesus. You see, we don't know what God's going to do, but he'll help us in, in anything we want to do. Like the fellow woke up in the morning, he said, Lord, I've done pretty good today. He said, I haven't gossiped. I hadn't, done any bad, I hadn't, even, I hadn't been thinking bad things. I hadn't said any bad words. And, you know, I, I, I haven't been crabby or anything. He said, but just a few minutes, I'm going to get out of this bed, and I'm going to need some help. He's going to need some help. All right, let's move on. That's an oldie but goodie. Uh, <clears throat> You know, I've, I've had a lot of people through the years that get disappointed, uh, disgruntled, things like that. But I always tell them, you know, the Word of God, His Word will help you. And He'll give us the written Word, the Logos, the written Word, but He'll always so speak a word to us sometimes and just speak it down into our heart. And if we'll listen, he'll, he'll, he'll bring out things that we need to hear and He'll help us with it. And sometimes He'll, you know, He'll ask you to forgive when maybe you don't want to. Or He'll maybe ask you to do a good deed when you don't necessarily feel like doing it. But if you'll do what it says and you'll earnestly seek Him, you find out that you'll be blessed. God will make a change for you. Now, we come to what's sitting here. I want to talk to you a little bit. Uh, I brought this bird feeder because normally we think of feeding birds, don't we? Think about this. It's not normal to be fed by birds, right? It's not normal for them to feed us. What's up? All right. The reason I've got that bird feeder there is because we're going to talk about a story here, just, just a bit here, uh, in the Bible. And it's important because in the New Testament, it's sending us back to the Old Testament. Uh, look at, it's, it's, and, we, and the reason I'm saying this is because it's not normal, because sometimes we get unexpected outcomes. It's not the way we think it's going to be. Look at James 5.17. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What was he talking about, nature like? He's talking about he had the same passions. He was a moral. He had moral uh, things. He knew right from wrong. Uh, but he also had the ability to back away or back up when he didn't want to do something. His nature was like ours. And we're living in a time now where, where, where we can't back down. We can't, we can't back away. We've we got to stand up, not stand down. We've got to go forward, and we've got to take hold of things that need to be taken hold of for the body of Christ and for the world. Uh, I mean, the, the, we're the hope of the world. 
Really, if you think about it, until with Jesus working with us, we're the hope of the world. All right? Now, look at what it says here in James 5.17. Elijah was a man with a nat- uh, nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Now, why did he do that? Because the people of God had got involved with this guy. He was a very mean king, a very ruthless king. And the Bible talks about him being like one of the worst kings ever uh, of, of, all, of all the kings in the Bible. He had an arranged marriage with a woman named Jezebel, and she was evil. She worshipped all these false gods. And, and really, he'd taken the people into false worship too. Uh, the, the God of the day was this God, we call him Baal in, in America. Most of the time we say Baal, Hebrews Baal. But, uh, but this God was a ruthless God, a terrible God. I mean, he, they would go and they would do unspeakable acts to worship this God. And then uh, and they'd sacrifice children. They would sacrifice children. I don't want to be too graphic with what would happen, but let me tell you this. Some of the sacrifices after they were done with those children, they got planted in gardens, believing they would help make their garden grow. That's the kind of God they were serving and bowing to and kneeling to and worshiping, this God Baal. And so... Elijah was sent by God to talk to this king, King Ahab, and tell him that it's not going to rain here. Things are going to dry up. There's going to be drought coming to you. Well, I'm sure when that king heard that, he thought, big whoop, this guy, squirrely looking guy, kind of like John the Baptist, you know, with the skins and everything, going in to tell him it's not going to rain. He was called uh, Elijah the Tishbite from Gilead. And uh, some, some people refer to that. They, they said it was uh, Elijah the stranger from among the strangers in Gilead. In other words, this king wasn't used to seeing this prophet Elijah. He didn't know when he came to him other than what Elijah was telling him. But, uh, but, but when you see things like that, you know this, uh, back in uh, the Romans, the Roman time, they built this big old archway that stood in front of the temple where the temple would be for, to worship Baal. And for everybody that wanted to worship Baal, they had to walk through this archway. Well, that thing back when, uh, uh, when ISIS was destroying artifacts and things and all this artworks and things, one thing they did was they struck that temple, and, 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 or not temple, but the archway and broke, it, and broke much of it down. Well, after that happened, a group of people got together and they decided they would make a replica of this archway of where people worship Satan and where they worship did all these sacrifices, worship, worship evil gods. See, 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 Baal was supposed to be like one of the chief gods. He was supposed to be bigger than the other gods, and he could tell those gods what to do and give them orders. He was the supreme god as far as they were concerned. So they built this replica. Now, this is going to make you think for a minute. That replica, they were going to bring that replica that had been built. These people, this organization built this thing. They were going to bring it to New York City, and they said, we're bringing the archway of, of Baal to New York City. Well, the evangelists and people got all fried up about the thing. No, you're not. You're not bringing that, that, that thing here. That's a heathen thing. You're not bringing it to New York City. So then what they did was they took it over to, to London, and they got to thinking about this thing. They said, we need to change the name. So they began to change the name of this thing to the altar of Palmyra making it like a, a cultural, historical piece that they could carry around the world. That thing's been to, to different countries. It's been to Italy. It's been to uh, Geneva, Switzerland. It's been to all these different places they take it. And every time they carry this altar, they carry this replica, which is like a doorway. It's just some significant thing, like they had it at the G7 summit. They're doing this thing, carrying this thing that used to be the gateway to worship Satan. They're taking it and making it some big deal that they carry around on places of prominence and where world things are happening. They had it in Washington, D.C. when Kavanaugh was going through all his mess and you say well something like that don't matter yes it does matter because there's people that dance around celebrate and make a big deal out of it they know what it means many of the people don't know what it means but there's stuff like that that's going on in our day and people get caught up in these things and they begin to think well this is a good thing let's have it let's let's make let's make it work for us and things like that 
they don't even realize that that thing had significance where people went to worship Satan. So there's some things to be tore down, but it's not necessarily statues of our historical leaders. It's other things. I know I'm meddling, but, you know, that's my nature. I meddle sometimes, but I do it in the name of Jesus to love me. Hey, 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 let's do this. All right, now we're good. We're back on track. <laughs> Getting off a little bit. So anyhow, God tells him, God tells him to, to, to go in and talk to the king and give him that information. And then he tells Elijah this. He says, okay, Elijah, hit the bricks. <laughs> Get the heck out of Dodge. Go hide. Now, why did he do that? I don't know. Maybe the king's going to call his council together and decide we're going to have ourselves a hang in the day. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to add one more guy with a head chop. I don't know what they were going to do. He probably would have. But so he goes into hiding, and God tells him, he says, now you go to this brook and, and, and drink water from this brook, Cherith. He said, I'm going to send you there, and you're going to go into hiding in this wilderness. You go there, and you drink. And he said, he said then I'm going to have the ravens come feed you. Ravens? Big old bird. Nasty birds. Fierce birds. Mean birds. You heard of Grubhub? They are Grubbyhub. They're going to send Grubbyhub to feed you. And so, uh, so uh, he does. He goes to the brook, and he begins to, to drink, and sure enough, the ravens got him. Now, I was thinking about this. I thought, now, that would just be like the Lord in a deal like that to send those ravens. You know, the way the buildings were constructed, birds could fly in and out, you know, the way the, the temples and things were. It would be just like him to tell those ravens, now, raven, because you read in the Bible, it says he got bread and meat. He got bread and meat. Elijah was a meat and bread man. He, he, he didn't send hummingbirds. He was not on some liquid diet or something. He's going to feed him good while he's gone. And so I got to thinking about that. You know, I bet you those ravens got that food. I was thinking, where do those ravens get that food? God is not a God that would go steal from somebody good, you know, take something from somebody like that. I got to thinking about that deal. I bet you he sent those ravens to the king's table. I bet, I bet King Ahab's sitting there. Hey, where's my filet mignon? Hey, you... Go kill that servant. He must have ate my steak. <laughs> it might have cost a few people their lives, but no, I don't believe that. But I do believe, I do believe he might have went to the king's table and got his food and bread. He might have very well done that and had those ravens to carry him over there. And he continued to feed him like that until, until it was time for him to leave. You know what it says? It says, later on it says, it says, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. You see, we as the people of God will experience some of the same things the world is, just like they do, since it rains on the just and the unjust. But where provision was needed, provision was provided. He was there until the brook dried up, and then God had another plan. He's going to take care of him on this deal. I like what Psalm 119 says. Sometimes when things aren't going my way, uh, and they don't always go my way, uh, ask Teresa, she'll tell you. Uh, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up, and we see he told him. But Psalm 119 says this. says, you're my place of quiet retreat. And this was on the screen. You're my place of quiet retreat, and your wraparound presence becomes my shield as I wrap myself in your word. Wrapping myself in the word. See, he had the word of God that he was going to be provided for. Now, it was not like we have it. He didn't have the book, you know, like this. But he had God's word that he'd spoken to him and told him to go there. And he knew when that thing dried up, there was going to be something else for him. And this comes really good, too. We're moving, moving through a couple things here as we finish up. This is out of Luke 2. Back again, New Testament saying, look in the Old Testament. He sent us back to the Old Testament. James did, and here Jesus is. 
He says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the, he, when the heaven was shut up, three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. This is him writing. The scripture's not on there. I'm just reading this to you. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Why did he send him there? Well, for one thing, the Bible talks about, and here again, you go over to the New Testament, it says pure and undefiled religion is taking care of the widows and the orphans. So he was sending him there to take care of a widow. He wasn't sending him there to take care of the, uh, the CEO of some business. He was sending him there to take care of a widow. See, sometimes your blessing is somebody else's blessing too. It's a double blessing. It works that way. It's reciprocal. And God gets the glory for all of it. And so Elijah goes there, and sure enough, here he is. He's there to, to walking up into town there, and there's this widow lady. She's out gathering sticks, and he tells her, he says, uh, give me some water. And she goes to get the water for him. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, while you're there, make me a cake, too, that I can eat. And then she proceeds to tell him, well, you know, uh, you know I, I, I don't have that much. I got just a little bit of flour. In fact, I was going to do our final meal here. The interesting is, though, and, and the thing that I thought was God had commanded her. It says, when you read it in the Bible, it says God had commanded her just like he commanded the ravens. Now, she might not have recognized, she might have been thinking when the guy comes I'm supposed to help, he's going to bring a sack of flour on his back and some salt and, and maybe some, some jerky and some things that we can gnaw on for another month or two here. But that wasn't the way he came. Her assistance came in the form of a man walking up asking her what she had to give. Thank God she did it. Because the Bible says that she went on and she gave she made it. She carried it out. I, man, I mean, I don't know if I could have handled doing that. I mean, if I'd have been Elijah, me sitting there eating, and her and that little boy sitting over there and just probably would turn around. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is pretty good. You know, a little thinner than I normally do. Got a few gravels and sticks in it, but it's all right, you know. Y'all all right back there? We, we, we gonna, God going to do something here soon. He's going to do something soon. Just, you know, just, just watch me. See, Elijah had already learned, with God, you're eating good in the neighborhood. He wasn't going to let him go hungry. He's going to bring something to him, and he's going to make it happen. Now, I don't know how it happened. Maybe, maybe after she fed that for him, all of a sudden, poof, there's, what? Flour in the bin and, and, and everything. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what God did. All I know is it happened. We don't always have to know how it's going to happen. We just know it's going to happen when we trust God and believe God. Anything that I've ever dealt with hard in my life, I had to get my mind to the point where I, I'm not thinking on, on, on what the devil wants to be. I'm going to think on what God thinks. And then God, I'm looking to you. And if something changed and it didn't turn out exactly the way I thought it would, then I knew that if God didn't bring it in, that he's got something else he's going to do for me. Amen. There's going to be something there for me. God does not orphan us. Amen. Did you ever notice that? He has no grandchildren. He only has children because he loves us and he wants to take care of us. It's that love factor that God has for us. Now, sometimes in our most difficult times, Sometimes in the most difficult times, we're building strength. We're building, we're building endurance. We're getting ourselves ready uh, for some other victory that's going to be taking place in our life. I love what Pastor Adrian Rogers said. He said this. He said, you cannot obey God without your obedience spilling out in a blessing to all those around you. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're a fountain of life because we have that life on the inside of us. God wants us to carry that life into the world. And to be a blessing to others. Where do I start? I don't know. Start with your own family. Start with your own life if you need to. But you've got to be that blessing. They've, they've got to see something in you that they want. I got an old 2005 Grand Prix. I was driving that thing home. Teresa and I had it yesterday. 
I got three cars in my drive, so it's not like I'm hurting, but uh, hurting, hurting. So I'm driving home, all of a sudden, I'm seeing all the smoke come out of my And so I get to Sam's, you know, pull in over at Sam's and put some fuel in, raise the hood, and there's a gash about, I don't know, maybe an inch wide out of the top radiator hose. And that thing's putting out some steam. I mean, good night. All you needed was a tea kettle whistle. It was putting out some steam. And, uh, and you know, there's a young couple sitting over there. It looked like they might be in there. I don't know, maybe they're mid-20s. He said, can I help you with something? And I said, I'm good, buddy. I said, things are good. And he went back to his car, and he came back with some of that clear tape that I knew that would not, no way. It'd blow that tape right off. He said, I have some tape if you want to use it. And I said, no, I'm good. I said, but I sure appreciate it. And I drove away, and him, his, I don't know if his wife or girlfriend, I couldn't tell, but I waved it both of them went away and thanked them. He said, that was a kind thing. There's still kind people doing kind things in this earth, and they don't have to know your name to do it because they want to make a difference in the world, and that's what we should be. I like that saying, though. You cannot obey God without your obedience spilling out in a blessing to all those around you. Now, look at this, this last verse that I, that I have down there, and we're going to wrap it up. It says, his work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. How are his works remembered? If, if we begin to wipe out history in our nation, we're going to be in trouble, folks. It's no different. If we begin to wipe out the Old Testament stories and don't teach those to our kids and help them see, because not only were there warnings in there, there are blessings in there too. And one of the, the, the greatest things that you can learn from, from looking at Elijah, he, he goes on and does other things too. I mean, he raises uh, the, the widow woman's son from death. Uh, he goes out and takes on a bunch of false prophets and deals with them. And, uh, and uh, just it's wonderful things that God's done. Well, he's going to ask us to do things too. As we get closer to the Lord's return, I believe there's going to be more phenomenal things happening, more miraculous things happening. There's going to be more signs and wonders and, and things of that nature that are going to be happening in the earth to help us know, to warn us, if you will, that the Lord's on his way. His plans have not changed. He is on his way. It's in the book. I don't doubt that for a, for a New York minute. I don't know. New York may have longer minutes now. I don't know what they got. They change everything up there. But, but, but I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> I'm going to have to repent before I get home today, aren't I? But listen, when you think about that, God has so much love for us. It's just, I was at a, I was at a meeting yesterday, a grief meeting, and I was sharing with them how at one point I was so sad. I was just, I was teared up. You know, I was crying over some people that I loved that had died and, and gone on in the Lord, and I was missing them so bad, and I was just driving along praying. praying. And I told them, I said, you know, I said, finally, God helped me in that thing because if God's love, which was love I had for them, if love takes you to it, God will take you through it. His grace will take you through it. I told him it's exactly that way. I said, if, if love takes you to it, grace will take you through it. And that's a fact. It'll do it. And there may be some of you feeling that way today. You may be sitting there and, and thinking, man, I could, I could use some of this help, some of this supernatural help. God's there for you. There's a man and, and a, he's a businessman and he, and he bought this piece of property and, and the, all the windows have been knocked down and the doors kicked out and the place was just run down. And, and so the guy who was selling it to him, he came to him. He said, now I realize everything's in bad shape here. This is pretty much a big mess. He said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I, he said, I'll put new windows in and I'll put some doors in. We'll put some paint in. We'll make it look better. And the guy said, no, I don't want you to do anything. He said, I'm not here for the building. I'm here for the site. I'm going to build all brand new. 
And if you're sitting here today and you've never given Jesus an opportunity in your life, you need to do that today. And so for just a moment, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. It doesn't matter if you're seeing this service or whether you're looking at a service at a different time. You can do the same thing. Is there anybody here today who would fess up and be honest and say, yeah, I need to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I need to do that. I need, I need what he has. And, and, and you're willing to let God come in your life. Anybody like that today that would raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. I need to be born again. I need to let Jesus come in. We'll wait just a minute. And I'm going to ask you one more thing, too. Is there anybody here today that says, I could use some of that help, some of that provision you're talking about? I need God to, to, to work a situation in my life. Anyone else? You know, different, different hands, different places. Well, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. First of all, I'm going to pray the prayer of believing God for Jesus to come in your heart. And then we're going to pray for those that need provision. So let's say this together, everybody, first. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe your word. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. For me and the entire world, I believe that he rose from the dead and will come for me at a future date. I thank you today. I give you my life. Come into my heart, never to leave. I'm your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Father, I pray for those that, that they had their hands up, Lord, that they need that, that, that provision. We've just talked about in the Word, Lord. You honor your Word. I, we, I know that. You've done it so much in my life that, Lord, your Word never fails. Your love never fails. And so, Father, I'm asking you, without even knowing these situations, that these people that raise their hand and need that supernatural help, Lord, you are the God who takes care of me. You are the God who takes care of everyone who will call upon you in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, I'm asking you to bring about those miraculous things, wonderful things. Bring about those things, Father God, where they can go and have a testimony, that they can go in praise of what you've done, Lord, and help somebody else in their life. And we give you praise for it today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.